0: and those that will join us on podcast at 3cr.org.au. Thanks for joining us. Stay with us and enjoy the episode. Bringing you the news and views and the untold side of the Palestinian struggle for freedom from a Palestinian perspective good morning listeners thanks for joining Palestine remembered it's a beautiful weekend we're joined by Jahara Bakar from Palestine she's a writer and activist joining us again for the first time in 2022 good morning good evening Jahara how are you
1: I'm fine thank you how are you thank you for having me
0: it's it's a pleasure and thanks again for for joining us your your show last year was really uh, was really fantastic and looking forward to speaking to you because we've got a few great things to, that have come up in the in the past week, uh, and a few sad things as well. But let let's start yeah. first with the uh, Amnesty International report, which is fantastic. Finally, white people have said that uh, apartheid is happening, and the world might be listening a little bit. You know, we've said so mm-hmm. for years, but um, the world is listening a little bit. What's the reaction been like there?
1: Well, look, I think that like you like you just said. I think first of all the palestinians especially are saying you know hello you know we've been saying this for years um but it just for some reason it gives more credence to the argument when when like you said white the white man says it but again it's not it this is not the first time someone's called israel an apartheid state you know human rights watch has said it and Beth salem has said it the difference now is that amnesty has broadened it and, and they're, they're speaking about Palestine, you know, historic Palestine um, inside the 48 territories. And that's what is so for us, that's that's also very groundbreaking because now Israel is, is, is forced to look at it, to look at their basically saying, you know, Israelis, you know, Israel is not just implementing these racist and discriminatory laws against Palestinians in the occupied territories, but even, Against their own is against their own citizens, and and I think that's why it's been very it's it's very welcome um, among Palestinians. Even some Israelis are having you know, I, I say I use the term loosely. You know, left wing Israelis are saying, well, yeah, there there's a point to what they're saying. We as Palestinians, we look at this very and it's very positive for us because I think it gives us grounds now in the international in international arenas um, to make an even more valid point um, and basically give a little bit more weight to what we've been seeing for so many years.
0: Another thing that uh, the Amnesty Report spoke about wasn't just the 48ers and... Yeah, the refugees. But also the refugees. So now yeah. I'm also included for the first time. We've always known, you know, the UN, you know, yeah. 194, UN Resolution 194 gets reaffirmed mm-hmm. Which says that I have an inalienable right to return, a birthright, something I can't yep. stand away from my children, uh, an inalienable right to return, and uh, the right to compensation and my mm-hmm. home back. You know, we've got our keys. We, yeah. we want to go home. I mean, we are going home. It re- really, added another another dimension.
1: Dimension, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the refugee issue, as you know more than anyone else, is 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 something that Israel has, you know, avoids like the plague, basically, mm-hmm. because for them, for Israel to to recognize even the fact that they're, you know, that they displaced so many Palestinians would be recognition of that crime. And so for an organization such as Amnesty International to come out and say that, I think it's a big deal. I really do think it's a big deal. I mean, like you said, you know, 194 has said it for a year, there's a resolution but no one's ever actually recognized it in that, in that way. So again, I think the road is still very long. I think there's a lot of work to be done. But I think that now we have even more grounds for, for our struggle. I think that things are changing. The shift is slow, but it's changing.
0: Absolutely. And, and what it creates, what Amnesty does, what Human Rights Watch, Senem, uh, Yesh Din, on, on top of all the work that mm. Palestinians did to get to this point, is it creates an umbrella of cover. So in, if you will, polite society in the West, there is a growing space now to speak to the crimes. And there's language now that has been okayed by these human rights organisations. Mm. You know, when the State Department uses betzillam's reports previously mm-hmm. but now all of a sudden you know betzillam says apartheid we don't accept that report when the united states state says look what the chinese are doing in the uyghurs according to amnesty when they impose sanctions on the generals in myanmar because amnesty said they're practicing apartheid against the rohingya we're okay with amnesty but all of a sudden right all of a sudden we say israel oh, israel apartheid and like no no everybody knows they're anti-Semites. They've got yeah. a long, long history of yeah. Semitism. They just hate Jews. There's nothing really bad going on here. In fact, we've got a member of the Knesset who's an Arab. We think yeah. he's good. We've made him deputy Arab Minister.
1: You know, for me, the Americans are in a class of their own, and not, and that's and I'm not saying that in a good way. You have the Western world, which is bad enough in, in my opinion, but then you have the Americans who it's always what is the pro- progressive except for Palestine? It's always the exception, is Palestine. Also, I think when organizations with such influence and such clout like Amnesty International or Human Rights Watch or all of these and they start to push this, they're going to force the Americans' hands, one way or the other. I mean, whether the Americans like it or not, they're part of the international community. And there's but so much that they can push back against. So I think that at this point, when you have organizations like Amnesty International, like Human Rights Watch, saying, look, we have hard evidence. We are showing you one, two, and three. And we don't make these arguments lightly. We always back them. It's gonna be very hard for them to keep pushing back and you know against the tide and trying to always just tout Israel's you know line. It's it's a slow process, but you have people on the ground also who you can't you can't keep ignoring, and even you know, and, and in the United States as well.
0: One of the failings of the amnesty report is it talks about apartheid, codified in every act of the government, institutions, everything. The Amnesty Report, whilst adding refugees to apartheid, the report is still short of what we need, which is a struggle against colonization. We need a decolonization. There needs to be a decolonization of historic Palestine.
1: I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. We do want equal rights, but, we, but not at the expense of our national rights. That's the thing. So like when I say that I'm a proponent of the, two, of the one state solution, it's not just about civil rights, civil, civil or equal rights. I, yes, I think that all people, anyone in any plot of land should be able to enjoy the same rights, civil, whatever. But as Palestinians, we also have been denied our national rights and our identity for so long and that needs to be recognized. That sense, I'm a, I'm a one stater. To be, to be honest. So yeah, everyone can live, but not at the expense of someone else's rights, and that includes national rights. And that's what is so missing in in that kind of argument. You know, yes, we want equal rights, we want civil rights, but we also want our national rights. We want our identity to be recognized and respected, just like anyone else's.
0: And, and the path to that is dismantling this concept of settler colonialism. That yeah. That
1: oh uh, yes. Uh, yeah, one
0: person over another purely on the base of their religion
1: exactly exactly and that's where that's where it's a little bit different than you know like apartheid south africa yeah. and, and then when somebody somebody will tell you oh well you can't call israel an apartheid state because it's not like south africa it's like no no two situations are exactly the same we're talking about a system mm-hmm. okay and the system that's based on discrimination and racism and all uh, uh, on the basis of your race or your nationality it doesn't have to be exactly it's not it doesn't have to be a mirror yeah. you know and in that sense Yes, because Palestine is, is is very unique. The struggle or the conflict is very unique in that it's very, it's, it, it's about, it's existential, really. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like this whole thing of it's either us or them. And this is what it doesn't have to be. For a long time, the struggle is like, you know, the Israelis, you know, the Israelis, the Zionism wants us out. It's, exclude you know, they want to exclude Palestinians in order to replace them. Now, what I'm trying to say is that, yes, it doesn't necessarily have to be like that, because if you have a one state that includes everyone and respects their, their, their political rights, then, you know, and their national rights, then. But I don't see that happening. Don't don't mistake me. I, I don't see it happening because don't don't misunderstand me, because I don't think that Israel in its current shape form an ideology will ever accept
0: that no, 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 but no. you know I mean, one, one um, like when people say that uh apartheid it's not like south africa you say you're right it's not like south africa and you should listen to yeah. To Nelson Mandela, it's worse.
1: In some senses, yeah. In some ways, it's, it's much worse, but it's you know it's not identical. Because white South Africa didn't want to eradicate the black South Africans; mm-hmm. they just wanted to control them. Yeah. In our case, no, they want the country without the people. Yep. It's, it's you know it's so it's it's a different situation, but the system that has been imposed is very apartheid-like.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And like you said, in some in some ways, it's it, it's
0: worse. Yep. And we should say, in Zionist plans, they never wanted apartheid because apartheid is ruling over somebody else. Zionism is a settler colonialist mindset. Apartheid exactly is their second choice. That's the second choice. The first choice is no Palestinians, all the land, no palis.
1: Exactly, it's very you know it, you know they want to completely eradicate. They want to, and and at this point, I think Israel knows that that's not that's not an option. But, you know, they're not going to mass, you know, they're not going to exterminate us. However, part of the, the the system in place, which is, again, this apartheid system, like you said, the goals are a little bit different. It's not just about controlling. So when they instate laws that make it very difficult for, you know, to land theft, home demolitions, not you know, barring just like straight up killing people, revoking residency rights. These are all these all are for one goal, and one goal only, which is to chase people off their land and to replace them with colonial Israeli settlers. It's as simple as that. You know, and if, for, for me, I see all of Israel's laws, all of Israel's measures, all of Israel's practices flowing into, you know, just into one river towards one goal, and that is to get as much land with as little Palestinians on it and to replace the Palestinians with Israeli Zionists. It's as simple mm-hmm. as that, you know, and that's where and that's where it's different. Yes, the system of apartheid, of apartheid-like system is very much in place. The goals may be a little bit different.
0: And just during the week, you know, the Interior Minister Aled Shaked, she said banning Palestinian family unification. Its aim is to stop the right of return. It might have mm. security reasons, you know, inverted commas, but it's for demographic reasons.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And at least somebody like Ayala Chekid is very, you know, she's very clear about her goals. You know, she doesn't she doesn't sugarcoat anything. I mean, I was I was one of the 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 hundreds of thousands of people who have to, had to deal with this reunification problem, you know, if they make it very difficult, very very, very difficult and the process is very cumbersome. How to obtain family reunification. And that in and of itself is extremely discriminatory and extremely racist. No Israeli would have to have to go through this. Um, like you said, you have you have a right to return to your land, which has been denied to you and to your descendants. Any Jew anywhere in the world has this right automatically. And for myself, my parents, my grandparents, my great grandparents, they're all they're all Palestinian. And they lived in Jerusalem as well. But because our our village is right outside of Jerusalem, you know, with the way that in 67, how it was divided, they were West bankers. And I married someone who was from from Jerusalem and I didn't have the right to live in my own home for over a decade and only was allowed to when they decided that they would give me a permit. And that's after proving you'd have, you have to have like a whole file of papers to prove that your center of life is in Jerusalem for them to give you one year of residency, right? And not even residency, rights, just a permit to live there. So yeah, I think they bank on the fact that people get tired of this and they just kind of
0: like, you know, push them out. And the report explicitly mentioned the revocation of Jerusalem IDs.
1: Yeah. That's another, that's even another issue. That's not even like my issue. That would, you know, that hundreds of thousands of peoples in 67 have had their, their revocation, their uh, Jerusalem IDs revoked. Yeah, and it's in the, and it's in the report. And this is also, this is, this is so cruel because people who live in Jerusalem and only have permanent residency, once that's revoked, they have nothing. They, they're not citizens of any country. They're stateless. My husband would be the same way. He doesn't have, he's not a U.S. citizen. He's not Jordanian. He only has residency rights in Jerusalem. He has a permanent, so if they revoke that, and they easily can revoke that if, for example, he lives outside the country, if he lives in the West Bank, and they prove that, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole, you know, list of things, then he would end up basically with nothing, stateless. Stateless, um, no rights. So it's it's a really cruel, cruel policy that they implement in Jerusalem. And it's very clear. The thing is with Jerusalem now that it's actually if there are actual visuals that you can actually see them pushing people out. They literally push people out of their homes. And then they have other ways. The very high taxes that they impose on people, the lack of building permits, so people either build illegally be built somewhere, and then so their houses get demolished. They, for example, in Wadi Juz now, okay, they want to build what they're calling this like Silicon Valley of, of Jerusalem, yeah? And so they're going to demolish like hundreds of, of shops, the whole entire area of Wadi Juz. Where are these people are supposed to go? What Israel hope, hopes for they're, they're they're basically, you know, the term, they're Judaizing um, Jerusalem and Israelizing it. They're changing the whole, they're shifting not just the demographics, they're shifting even the actual character of the city. And and now you can, it's clear, it's clear even to the
0: eye. Salman Abbasid says they want as much geography with as little demography. But then the erasure of culture, of connection, whether it's uh, cemeteries or whether it's buildings or, you know, turning mosques or churches into discos and really despicable, horrible acts of cultural erasure and connection. We're joined by Jahara Bakr from Palestine. Jahara, this past week we had the execution of some Palestinians in Nablus, in Area A, in PA-controlled what should be Palestine or a Bantustan of Palestine. Can you speak to that and what's happening on the ground? What's the PA doing? The impotence, the ineptitude, the corruption of the PA. In the past couple of weeks Bennett sent some money to the PA. Israel's announced that finally Palestinian telcos will be able to upgrade from 3G to 4G. I mean meanwhile the rest of the world is in 5G. Yeah, For our listeners you remember how hard it was to send a picture in a 3G and how easy it is now to watch a a video on your phone, Palestinians are still uh, almost a decade behind you via the apartheid system uh, of Israel. The assassination happened in Nablus, Area A. How much more can the Palestinian people tolerate of this?
1: The question is not just how much they can tolerate from the occupation, it's how much they can tolerate also from the PA. To be honest, okay, like you said, all city centers are Area A, which is under full, you know, Palestinian um, administrative and, and, and security control. So, the question remains: How did two cars, okay, with Israeli soldiers in military garb, entered Nablus? Wait for ten minutes until this until these three Palestinians arrived in the car, and then and then basically shot the. They, they said there were like ninety bullets, uh, you know, f- found. Uh, Around the car, and then checked to make sure that they were all dead before they left. So there are a lot of question marks here. I mean, Israel is known for its assassinations. We all know that. We know that they, they you know, they don't, they, they kill with impunity. We know that they don't fear. Um, yeah. But why has it become so easy for them? That's the question that the Palestinians need to ask themselves. Israel, I mean, Israel is our occupier. We understand that we 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 understand that they're going to be vicious they're going to be relentless the question is why what we call you know preventative security or whatever the security forces who are they, who are they protecting not us if this is the case okay. you know so so there are a lot there, there there's a lot that we have i mean there's a lot of reckoning that we need to do and this is mm-hmm. this is this is what this, this was horrible okay these men these three men were basically just assassinated in cold blood in the center of Nablus by Israeli soldiers who just did that and left. I mean, nothing. Now, where does that happen?
0: It's it's unbelievable. And, you know, the correlation between the cooperation that must have occurred between the PA and the security services to allow these guys to drive in there, you know, the correlation is with, uh, the coordination that allowed the same security forces that should have been protecting these Palestinians that allowed uh, in the flip side was the Israelis that allowed the, the security forces to go get, question Nizar Bennett and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, question him till his death in, you know, the disaster that is Oslo continues to hurt us. Uh, and, and the next Intifada needs to be against the PA yeah? and Oslo. Oh, oh absolutely.
1: The problem with Fatah is that, I mean, ironically, okay, the men who were who were assassinated are the were from the military wing of Fatah, okay. That that's the, that's the problem. Fatah Fatah is so broad that okay, politically they've become corrupt and they've become you know you know the leadership the Palestinian I don't even want to say leadership but the PA or whatever but the military wing is still very military, so you know you have this dichotomy that's just like completely. I don't know. It's very haywire, but I think that for one, if I were if I were a Fatah member, this would this should be my day of reckoning. You know, you, they they need to see what's going on because there's no way that these three men would have been assassinated if there were no there was no you know security coordination. And I'm not saying that Israel doesn't have its collaborators. They historically they always have. Okay, even before the PA, but the ease with which they entered, the ease with which they were, it was very visible, you know, and the, for the the fact that they shot this car up and then actually got out to make sure, opened the car doors to make sure that they were dead. And no, and where where the PA service? Where were they? How, how could this happen in broad daylight to our, you know, to our people right there? Um, so I think that FETA has a lot of, reckoning to do. I really do. Um, because these these were these were their men, you know, these were their men too. Uh, and Oslo is far, far expired. I mean for me, I I think it was dead, it was dead in the water, to be honest. Um, but you know, I don't think not everyone believes, you know, things like me. But at this point, even by its own terms, it's expired. Even by its own timeline, it's expired, and it has become so. I mean, the PA has become so corrupt that you know the, there's it's it, it's it's so counter to anything that the of, to Palestinian aspirations that it's become that you know it's become so harmful become to harmful. us instead.
0: It's a barrier.
1: A very it's harmful. Barrier. Very much so. Very much so. Now instead of the Palestinian. Struggle having one level of oppression, there's two, and 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 you know, and that's just and that's that you know that's no good, and even you know it, even the pillow needs needs you know um, to be uh, restructured. The people need to be changed. I mean, the only yesterday they can be they finished. I think the closing statement of the uh, Palestine um, the Central Council, which is. It, which is the level right below the PNC. And there was a big thing about this because, again, it wasn't convened on, on consensus. The PFLP boycotted. Um, Hamas and, and, and uh, uh, Islamic Jihad were not part of it. Uh, the PPP pulled out. So it was basically, again, it was just kind of like this you know, rally for Fateh and for uh, Abu Mazin and uh. It's corrupt. It's just corrupt. The whole leadership from 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 the top down is corrupt. And so for the Palestinians, the people, uh, I don't know how we're going to overcome, you know the occupation when we have this level of oppression from from within our own people that are almost literally killing us.
0: <laughs> well, we move on from that very quickly. We should say, you know, one of the things that Israel does is democracy wash. We're a democracy. Well, no democracy sends mm. their soldiers in a taxi into another theoretical country, area a uh, supposed to be, uh, in the Oslo process some time ago, mm-hmm. to yeah. extrajudicially kill three men to shoot so many bullets. I mean, it's like a 1920s gangster no. movie, the up the, the car to the point where the three men, mm. God rest their souls, were unrecognisable to their family because they all got shot in the head so many times.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, let's be clear. This is not the actions of a democracy, not the actions of a normal country, not the actions of a country that makes some mistakes. These are the actions of a criminal state. And as with any occupation, whether it's back to World War II, you know, the Vichy governments in France and, you know, conspirators or you want to, whatever yeah. you want to call them in, in Italy and Spain, etc., there's always been people that have profited from the misery of their own people. In America, they call them Uncle Toms. Sadly, the history of our revolutionary movement yeah. that was so connected to so many revolution movements in the third world in the, in the 50s, in the 60s, in the 70s. It is not a shadow of that inspirational leadership. And we need reconstitution of the PA and the PLO. Yeah. Well, the PA needs to yeah. die and the PLO needs to be reconstituted and a representative voice to the Palestinians all over the world, yeah. not just those in 67, but 48, 67, Jerusalem, the collar countries, Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, the refugees all over the world get a voice. And then we would have a truly representative government and that government will stop talking about this bullshit two states. We want our national rights in a decolonized historic Palestine Mm. to live as equals.
1: Absolutely. I agree with you. I mean, I think that uh, that's the only way forward because like you said, there's nothing left of where we started from. You know, like you said, Fatah was the was the first uh, liberation um, movement. Um, where 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 did they go? What happened? These three men who were killed that's that's what's left of the honorable Fatah <laughs> uh, movement. You know, the military wing and the people will still say that we need to fight um, yeah. the occupation on the ground. You know, the corruption has become so so rife, and uh, and the PA and even. I mean, it's not even just the PA, like you said, it's the whole leadership. They've become so entrenched in their own um, interests, and they pay lip service to the cause, but really, on the, the 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 truth yes. is that a lot of them have sold it out for for you know you know fancy cars. Or, Jhara, or
0: thanks so much for joining us again. Uh, it's so great to talk to. Uh,
1: Thank you for having me. So-
0: it's a pleasure.
1: <laughs> All right, you take care. Thanks a lot.
0: That was the fantastic Shahada Bakr from Palestine speaking to us. I'm sure you remember her show from last year. Just go to the podcast page on 3CR and you'll be able to scroll through and find her interview from last year. It was fantastic. Shahada Bakr. she is a superstar Palestinian woman and somebody that we're also very proud of. Now, listeners, thanks so much for listening to Palestine Remembered on 3CR. You know, I know that 3CR relies on the support of our listeners to keep going. We're a not-for-profit community radio license holder, and we need a strong subscriber base to keep our financial independence. We're proudly community-owned and community-controlled. 3CR is independent and it provides voices for community like Palestine, like so many other of the shows on 3CR. We're free from commercial influence and government bias. This radio show is your radio show. This radio station is your radio station. We need your help to stay online. In February, we have what we call Subscriber Month. We need your support. We need you to su- subscribe. So go online to 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. Click on there, subscribe to 3CR. You can call in and subscribe. So get a pen and paper ready the phone number will be in the podcast as will the link to where you can subscribe but you can call in on 9419-8377 9419-8377 press 1 and you'll be able to subscribe over the phone make sure you tell whomever you speak to that you're a great supporter of Palestine Remembered and a great supporter of 3CR This is a a one-of-a-kind radio show. There's 400 volunteers and incredible, incredible array of shows and programming content. We've got special, incredible broadcasts from Invasion Day and so many other diverse communities. There's 120 weekly shows. 3CR is so important for so many people, so many voices. Thanks for listening to Palestine Remembered, but we're only one piece of the 3CR family. So, again, we need you to subscribe. We need you to subscribe, so 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe or call in 9419-8377, 9419-8377, press 1, speak to one of the team in the office there and make sure you tell them that you're a big fan and a listener of Palestine Remembered. Thanks for listening, and remember, there's never been a better time for a free Palestine.
1: على عهدي على ديني على أرض تلاقيني أنا نهلي أنا فديهم أنا دم فلسطيني 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 أنا دم فلسطيني <تصفيق>